The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. What's up? This your boy, Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Who killed Deborah Lynn Randall? How do you do something like this in Liverpool? Deborah Lynn Randall from January 13, 1972. Debbie was nine years old when she vanished. It's been more than 43 years. This is Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. A group of retired detectives volunteering their time determined to bring her family answers. She was a beautiful kid. You could look at her picture and you can see the innocence. Detective Nix is part of a rare group of retired police officers who specialize in solving Cobb County's cold cases. If you're an investigator, if you're a detective, if you're a cop, that's what you live for, is that phone call, that family saying, sit down because I've got some good news for you. I'd give anything if I could find out who it was before I passed away. We haven't forgotten, and we're not going to give up. Imagine on a cold winter's night, your nine-year-old little girl is at the laundromat. Boy, I remember going to the laundromat just a half a block away. But she never makes it home. And when you go looking for your nine-year-old little girl, all you find is a spilled box of laundry detergent across the street from your home. It's the only evidence she was ever there. 
I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us. I'm talking about Cold Case, nine-year-old Debbie Lynn Randall. And we are still searching for answers. Along with me today is, of course, Alan Duke, investigative reporter and special guest, Detective Morris Nix. Morris, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Morris, what is your recollection of what happened? Well, Nancy, this is a case that I actually remember the day this happened. So I always had an interest in this case. And once I came to the cold case unit, this was one of the first cases that I asked about. This case originally belonged to the Marietta Police Department, and they did a great job back in the day with the limited resources that they had. So we decided to just... Hey, Morris, 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 if I may call you that. Hold on just a minute. We say that all the time. People ask me all the time, Morris, what do you think, Nancy, do you think the cops screw the case up? And very often I say... I don't know that they screwed the case up. I think what happened is they're overwhelmed. They don't have all the resources you see on TV, okay, especially in smaller jurisdictions. And they're doing the best they can. So I don't know that that's screwing the case up. Could more have been done? Sure. If there were, you know, maybe 10 or 15 more detectives and there was all sorts of scientific advances, yeah, maybe, but that's not the case. So working with what they've got, no, I don't think they screwed the case up. I think they're doing everything they can. So could you explain when you say with limited resources, they did everything they could? What does that mean? Basically, this would work three detectives, and of course, they have other caseloads, and they work very hard. No, I don't think they screwed the case up at all. I think they did the best that they could do course time moves on these were not wealthy people debbie's family were not wealthy people they were not members of any certain society so it goes cold and people start to pass but once we got the case and started looking at it we thought maybe there's a chance you know people said well you'll never get any dna from this it's been too old etc etc but we submitted an article of clothing and we got a, a DNA match. Morris, when you say clothing, what clothing? Her body was found fully clothed. Yeah. Marietta Police Department did a great job of preserving the evidence, and we took an article of clothing, her underwear, uh, along with other parts of clothing. We submitted it for DNA, really thinking this was a really, really long shot, and we got a profile, and I was actually on my way out of town when the administrator of the cold case unit, John Dawes, called me and let me know, hey, guess what? We got a profile. So that closed the door wide open on this case. This is what happened. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Morris. With me is a very well-known crack detective in his jurisdiction, Detective Morris Nix. On a cold winter's night, nine-year-old Debbie Lynn Randall steps out of the neighborhood laundromat. And I've been there. I remember, Morris, when our washing machine broke. I guess my parents didn't have enough money to fix the washing machine. I'm not really sure, but we started using a laundromat. We would have to drive to it because we lived out in the middle of nowhere. And we'd drive to the laundromat, and it was always, always on a Sunday night. 
we would go to church on Sunday night as well as the morning. So we were wedging it in. And I would go and sit with the laundry during the afternoon at the laundromat and then switch it out and just the whole process. So this little girl, nine years old, goes to do the laundry. It's only a half a block away and she never makes it. She disappears. There's that spill box of laundry detergent just across the street from her home. Now, over the next week, Cobb County launches an extensive search to find her. Her body, Debbie's body, was found 16 days later. But even now, over 40 years later, the mystery of who killed Debbie Randall, a nine-year-old little girl trying to do family laundry for her mom, is still unsolved. And with me, veteran detective Morris Nix. I want to thank our podcast sponsor today. It's Blue Apron. And I first heard about Blue Apron from my son, who is nine years old. He had seen it online or somewhere. And what it is, is a fresh food home delivery, but you cook it. It's all fresh ingredients. And when we tried it for the first time, the twins opened up the box. They loved it. And then they helped me cook it. Because it was kind of like our project. It was fresh broccoli, fettuccine noodles, chicken, and all the makings to make a delicious meal. And they cleaned their plates. Now, here's the thing about Blue Apron. Not only are they sponsoring our podcast and our efforts to solve the murder of Debbie Randall, a nine-year-old little girl, but they give working moms and dads a way To make a home-cooked meal, know what is in the food your children are eating. Not a bunch of chemicals and boxed ingredients, but fresh, farm-to-table food. You know what's in there. And check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash nancygrace. You'll love how good it feels and tastes and to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash Nancy Grace. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Now I want to get back to Detective Morris Nix joining us. Where was Debbie's body found, Detective? Debbie's body was found off of Powers Ferry Road, which is now a empty restaurant. I believe it was a Houston's restaurant, uh, about 20 feet off the road. Uh, I managed to find the individual who actually found her body. Uh, He was a student at Southern Tech, and he volunteered as a group to look for her body. Um, He's now a retired engineer. And so being an engineer, he's very good with uh, measurements, distances. I met him. We went over there. And he said, "Women about." Okay, wait a minute. I want to understand something. Mm-hmm. When you say her body was found off Powers Ferry Road, a couple of quick questions. One, how far away from the laundromat was? From it? the laundromat, it is. Uh, I'm going to say about eight miles, nine miles. Wow! But so that was somebody that got her in a car. Correct, but we don't think that's the place of death. Okay, so that was just a dumping ground, and I assume that she was assaulted because you got DNA off her underwear. It was brutal. Yeah, she was she was sexually oh. assaulted. Awful. So somebody got her in a car. She was probably raped, sex assaulted in the car. 
and killed in the car, is my guess, and then dumped there an eight-mile distance. So it's somebody that I guess knew the area. And at the time, before it was a Houston's restaurant, what was it, wooded? It was wooded at the time, yeah. Uh, it was rather remote. And who found the body, Detective? Who found? I don't need a name, but was it like a construction worker, a hiker, what? He was a student at Southern Tech, and he and his fraternity brothers volunteered to do a group search. He discovered the body. I managed to locate him, and he's now a retired engineer. And uh, he took me over there, and he walked to the parking lot, went straight to the spot, and he said, Within about 10 foot, 8 foot, this is where she was at. He said, I've gone by that location over the years, and, of course, it's just in my mind. We believe, Nancy, that she was abducted from the laundromat. Mm -hmm. She was taken to another location where the crime occurred. Then she was redressed, and her body was dumped in the woods. Okay, you know what? The whole thing is sick, but the redressing part is super sick. So let me understand something. She is raped in one location. You think not the car, redressed and then dumped. Found by a college student who, along with other people, had volunteered to search. And you find him years later and he's now a retired engineer? Correct. Man, that's a heck of a story. Now, he obviously, I'm always suspicious of whoever finds the body. So mm -hmm. I assume that you've ruled him out. Yes, yes. Uh, he was in a group, actually. Um, they had spread out along the road, and uh, he just by happenstance had wandered up upon her. And um, it, he did not go actually down to the body because it unnerved him. And um, he has uh, been very beneficial in some of his descriptions. But we think that possibly she was assaulted at a very close place to where her body was found. Why do you say that, or can you tell me? Uh, I can tell you that we have some evidence that was gathered and processed by the FBI um, back in the day that leads us to a specific location uh, that I don't want to disclose at the moment. Okay. So, without you telling me, I'll just cl clue in our listeners who, you know, they know as much as I do now, Detective Nix, because everybody's legal eagles and they are very familiar with technology. So, I'm guessing, as an educated guess, that they found fibers, such as carpet fibers, on her back or her body. They found um, some type of a synthetic floor covering um you know that's how i don't know if you remember this detective next it was before my time but i i found out pretty quickly you know i prosecuted in fulton da's office uh with your mm -hmm. uh, with uh vic reynolds you know the now in fact you can go ahead and tell him this that i claim i trained him and for him to <laughs> never forget the goat man okay the goat man as i digress so I had a huge calendar, you know, in front of an awesome judge, Luther Alverson. He was the oldest judge in the courthouse, and he wanted to keep the lowest jail count. Uh, in other words, his courtroom had the fewest people in jail on their calendar because we would try so many cases. And he wanted to prove he was still fit as a fiddle, and he was. So Vic 
came to the office after me and he rotated into my courtroom. I took a couple of murders and gave him, you know, here, take everything else. And he did. And one of them was the goat man. And what I mean by that was this old guy, God bless him, he smelled like a goat. He smelled awful. And he was the victim. Okay? I don't know when the last time this guy took a bath. Well, Vic... <laughs> Vic had to try the case, okay, because I was getting ready on, a, I guess, a murder and a rape and a dope dealer. And so I didn't even know what was in the file. So here, he's the, here's the ones that have to go. Just pick one and go. Well, that's the one he ended up with. I guess the others pled out. I don't know what happened to them. But he had to try. So he gets the goat man, who I believe could walk, but like being wheeled around in a, in a wheelchair. So he gets the goat man up on the stand, okay, and the goat man, he stuck to high heaven. And Vic was questioning him. And he said, okay, sir, do you see the man that stabbed you the day of the incident? Well, the goat man started looking around. <laughs> and he started looking over at the jury. Like maybe it was one of the jurors. And I'm like, oh, dear Lord, no, please don't let him identify a juror. And... I mean, we had the guy, you know, dead, red-handed. I mean, he had the stabbing. He had the knife with him. There was still blood on the knife. He had the knife, for Pete's sake, the perp did. So Vic had to get the guy back in the wheelchair and take him straight up to the defendant across the table from the defendant. And for a moment, we thought he was going to identify the defense attorney. <laughs> but he looked and he looked and he looked. And finally, he identified the defendant. I'm like, oh, dear Lord, I'm having... <laughs> but every time I see Vic, which I don't see him a lot now, but I say, you remember the goat man? And I just die laughing. Now, he doesn't think it's as funny as I do. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, whenever I think of Vic Reynolds, you know, he, he has all these very important conferences and press releases, and he's an awesome trial lawyer, but I always think of the goat man. I digressed for a moment with fond memories of Vic Reynolds in my courtroom. Okay, I want to get back to Debbie, because, you know, I'm just thinking about, you know, Debbie was just in the third grade. Detective Nix, you know what grade my children are in, right? Third grade. Correct. Mm -hmm. And when I think of how defenseless both of them are and so trusting. Now, Debbie, third grader at Pine Forest Elementary, well, I, I'm trying to figure out. She was going to um, Marietta Place, Duds and Suds, co-op laundry. Now, did she make it to the laundry? Yeah, she, she actually, this was a gathering place for the little girls in the area. Uh, unfortunately, that was about the only place they had. And Debbie lived pretty much just across the street. A lot of people said, well, how could you let a little girl go there by herself? But they have to understand that they usually were with someone. It was about 75 feet from where she lived. And it was a gathering place where, the, where little girls would, they would trade doll clothes. The manager um, of the laundromat, would she made doll clothes for them. And it was just a place where they would get together. And she was just a very... It sounds like, in my world, when I was little, the corner store. It was also called the pep station. And we had to actually ride our bikes like two miles to get there. Now, my mother would have done a backflip if she had known 
during the summer, we would get on our bikes and ride to the pep station, which was a gas station, but they also sold candy bars and, you know, crackers. This, same thing. You know, we would all get on a bike and go there. We wouldn't get on the main roads. We'd take back roads and trails and end up behind the pep station. And we would buy a candy bar and then bike all the way back home. And we thought we had really done something. So this little girl goes, it's about 7 p.m., she goes with a load of laundry. She's given two bucks. And while she was putting the clothes into the washing machine, her stepfather left. And, I mean, I've read that her stepfather, Robert Hooker, took her there. And the laundromat attendant states Debbie left about 30 minutes later with a box of detergent. And that was found near a car across the street from her home. You're telling me it's only like 75 feet, right? Correct. Wow. I also have reports that residents saw a dark pickup truck around that time. I have one witness who said that she went into the laundromat and she mentioned to her older sister, there's a truck out there that I'm not familiar with. And her older sister basically said, well, mind your own business and help me fold clothes. And so she did. And I talked to another witness that said, I spoke to Debbie right when she got ready to leave. And Debbie had a habit of she would collect the unused soap powders, and she would take them home to her mom. Mm -hmm. And she um, was getting ready to leave, and she said, I saw Debbie go out the door, and she said, and I was going to go home with her. And again, my older sister said, you're not going anywhere. you got to help me fold clothes. And she believes, and I have come to believe, that very possibly Debbie knew her abductor. I think Debbie started across the street. I think that he probably called out to her. She turned around, walked back, and that's when she was abducted. Cobb County pulled out all the stops. They did everything. Uh, people were assigned to the, to the case. The wooded areas and vacant residences near Marietta Place were searched by civil defense workers and police. Dixie Alert, which is a group of ham radio operators, uh, offered to handle any contact with a, a kidnapper. Concerned Citizens Committee met. They created an effort called Operation Debbie. Uh, offers of assistance flooded in. Helicopters from Dobbins Air Force Base were used in the search. I mean, it goes on and on and on trying to find Debbie. And then around 5 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday, January 29, her body was found by a group of Southern Tech students, as Detective Nix has just told us. Her body was found about 150 feet north of Powers Ferry Road uh, near Windy Hill, which is in Marietta. There, were evidence, there was evidence and there were clues near her body. But as of today, still no resolution. So tell me about this DNA profile, Detective Nix. Yeah, when we got this, we thought our chances were slim and none. And when we looked at it, we knew that, um, <clears throat> that Marietta still had the evidence. So we got Marietta to pull the evidence for us, and we sent it to the lab, and we got a profile. And we know from this profile that she was only assaulted by one individual. 
Uh, now, she may have been abducted by more than one, but she was assaulted by one. Um, and it just shot a whole new uh, breath of fresh air into this case. Now, I thought when we initially got the profile, I really thought we would get a hit on CODIS, and, which is a national database. We did not. But we also know that prior to the 90s that no, there was no CODIS. Nobody was entered into CODIS. So <clears throat> I think this is a very doable case. It's obviously a long shot. It is, but I do think that we have a chance. And as long as we have a chance, we're going to keep working on it. And Nancy, I want to talk about just a second about our cold case unit. It was started by Vic Reynolds approximately two years ago. And all the cases we work, we work as a unit. We work as a team. So for every little bit I've done, they've done more than I have. And I'm very proud to be associated with this group. They're just very, very dedicated, hardworking individuals. But we do have a chance in this case, and we're not going to let go of it. And any time we get a case, we, we work it hard. Now, Nancy, you know there are three things that drive a cold case. Time, money, and publicity. Those are the three things that drive a cold case. And you have to have all three. And talking about that search for Debbie, I have told people, and I really feel this way, that that was probably Marietta's finest moment. In the midst of all the tragedy and absolute heartbreak, fear, people were, people were scared and people were angry. But at that moment, Cobb County, the city of Marietta, really came together. And uh, I think we should all be proud of what, what they tried to do. Detective, are you using familial DNA to find the relatives of the killer? Is that something that you're able to do in Cobb County? We had a federal grant, which gave us the money, and we use a lab in Utah. But our grant has since expired, and we're hoping to get it renewed. And um, and if we do, then we can continue our testing. We've got two or three cases, actually, that I think we're very close on. And um, a couple of them, I think, were real close. And you're able to use the kind of DNA that would identify if one of their relatives, perhaps, had been yes. arrested at some point and submitted DNA? Yes. We have eliminated the family through DNA testing. Everybody was cooperative. We've eliminated the obvious people. You know, it was rumored for years that possibly her stepfather, one of those, had been involved, but they were not. They've all been cooperative, and we've eliminated them through DNA. Detective, i got a question for you. Why has this case, why does this case stick with you? I mean, it's your personal mission to solve this case of Debbie Randall. Why? She deserves justice, and that's really, after every all the rhetoric, that's what it comes down to. This was a very innocent, normal little girl. And it just struck home once, once I saw her photographs and I, I talked to her family. Her mom is in very bad health. She's still living. Um, and this is her one prayer is that she will know, whether they're dead or alive, that she will know who did this. And uh, you can't help but be touched. And whoever did this 
you know, how do you describe these people? You know, we've all heard the adjectives, but really, how do you describe an individual that does this to a 75-pound little girl? Another issue, Detective Nix, is he did this and got away with it so far. You know he's done it again. There's no way that he didn't do it again. Either raped or killed. And I absolutely agree. And perhaps he left the state. Perhaps he was in the military and at Dobbins Air Base. We don't know. We could all speculate. But we now have a DNA profile. And and we're going to push every suspect that we can push, every person of interest, until we're satisfied one way or the other. And I think that's just what that's what we have to do, and that's what we're going to do. Well, with me today is really a, a renowned detective in his jurisdiction, Detective Morris Nix. And we are talking about a nine-year-old little girl that was brutally assaulted and murdered. Her body left out in a wooded area. Her parents, her mom, still looking for answers. This is a cold case, but I pray to God it heats up after today. Again, thank you to Blue Apron, who makes delicious, easy, and affordable meals possible. The ingredients delivered to your door, and when I say affordable, I mean it. And you can have that moment like I do, or I try to anyway, where we sit down at the end of the day around the table and we thank God for our blessings and we have a great meal and we talk about the day. And you know what? I look forward to that moment all day long. It's my favorite moment of the day when we're all together. And of course, you don't have to have an elaborate meal, but it's just one of those memories. Everybody's sitting down together as a family and it's hard to do. Children have soccer, they have piano, they have this, I got to work, a book deadline, Hallmark movie, blah, blah, working all the time. But that moment is the moment that makes it all worth it. It's when we're all together as a family. And I want to thank Blue Apron for making that possible for me and so many others and making it affordable. Go to blueapron.com slash Nancy Grace for another discount. I really want to thank Detective Morris Nix for being with us from Cobb County Cold Case. It's a real pleasure and really an honor to talk to a seasoned veteran who has never given up the fight to solve cases, to seek justice, and in this case, solve the case of little Debbie, Debbie Randall. If you have information, please call 770-528-3032. Repeat, 770-528-3032 or go to crimeonline.com where we have a tip number and an email in tip address. Please help us. Alan, thank you for being with us as always with me as you are every day, Detective Nix, onward and upward friend. Nancy Grace signing off from Crime Stories. Thank you, friend. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. 
With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. 